Hey guys, welcome back to the BCM and the AM, and we are in the part two of this series that we're rocking right now called The False Gospels. And so I'm Zach, your host, and with me today is director, our fearless leader, Rodney Norville. Hey everybody. And a new guest from Central Baptist Bearden, Nick Campbell. Hey everybody. And so here we are about to talk about part two, which is the prosperity gospel. Now before we dive in, let's have a get to know you question. So if you had unlimited resources, what would be the first thing you'd spend it on? Now give me something silly and give me something serious. I guess for me it would be a... I'm a big Diet Mountain Dew fan, so I would I would buy pallets <laughs> upon pallets of Diet Mountain Dew. I'd probably have a fountain fountain drink area in the house installed. And That's just, awesome. It kind of keeps me going doing student ministry and church work. It's, that would be a very bad thing. Go-to, yeah, my go to uh, my go to drink would probably be the my Diet Mountain Dew would be the the silly thing. That's awesome. Um, serious thing would be uh, honestly right now we're we're so close to my wife and are so close to to really being completely out of debt. That I would just Clean knock, that, knock that out, and, knock that out, and have be like a hey, vacation. Let's just pay cash. For that's it. Right. And, uh, but that, that's probably my two things. That's awesome. Gosh, I, I mean, like I, like everybody else, would love to have material things sometimes. So you know, just a really nice truck would be really nice. <laughs> I can think of boats that would be pretty nice too. We live in Knoxville. There's lots of lakes around. And the lake house would be really nice too. So I mean, all those things. But I mean, realistically, I'm not spending my money on any of those things. But if you're giving them away, I'll take them. <laughs> if you're handing them out, I, I mean, I'm on board. What's your serious thing? Oh, I mean, I feel like this is we should say world peace or something like that. But um, the beauty, a, the beauty contestant. Beauty I know the beauty contestant answer. But seriously, I mean, there's just a lot of pain in the world. So I mean, even like right now in Tennessee, uh, just a whole lot of people, their houses have been flooded in Middle Tennessee. If I had unlimited resources, I'd love to help things like that. Yeah, just eliminate some suffering in the world. Yeah, I think a silly thing for me would be like a really nice recording studio. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but like seriously, like mics for everybody, little switchboard, all the all the works, but it's still I think I think that would be a lot of fun to be like, come check out this really cool thing that we get to do and it's decked out to the nines. Um, but a serious thing would be like I would want to open a college fund for my kid slash future kids <laughs> so that when I hit that point, because, you know, my my wife and I were doing the math on, like, how much money <laughs> college costs math. for us. We were like, <laughs> Don't do yeah, that. our kid's not going to college. <laughs> like, that's not... Yeah, sorry. Trade crap. Trade crap. Learn <laughs> something <laughs> important. That's right. Are you good with cars? No, well, nah. <laughs> we'll find something. So, jumping into the topic, after kind of a get-to-know-you-being-silly thing, you know, we are talking about prosperity gospel and money and, and all the things associated with it. And kind of the, the big question that comes up is, this is a, co- a college student podcast. Why in the world do college students need to hear about prosperity gospel? Because our first podcast in this series was about Mormonism. And that one's pretty obvious, the differences. When you start looking into it, it's pretty obvious the differences between Christianity and Mormonism, which labels it as a false gospel. I mean, right off the jump, you can see it. This one is a little bit more elusive, and that's why we wanted to do this. So we have a prominent one, we have an elusive one, and the next two in the series are going to be good as well. And so we're, we're, we're looking forward to those. I'm not going to give them away yet. But with that, 
why is it so important for college students is because they're seeing flickers of this flash across their Instagram and TikTok feeds on a daily, daily basis, if not an hourly basis. And, you know, as we'll discuss, it's invaded a lot of their perception and ideologies as they go into college and after they graduate college and even their parents' expectations on them before they leave college. And so that's why it's kind of important for us. So let's dive in. What is the prosperity gospel? And we'll kind of start like, where does it get its start at? I think uh, I did a little research and uh, in, in looking into this and, and it really... Uh, from what I found, it really started right after World War II and picked up its speed into the 70s and 80s when it really, really kind of uh, progressed. But I think it's I think it's a dangerous thing because it is, like you said, it's a normal part of our society now where mm-hmm. it is, it's one of those, if, if you're not careful and you're not intentional about it, you're going to fall uh, fall into the trap of it. And almost some people might not even be aware that they're, participating in or having beliefs and living their life according to the way the prosperity gospel kind of sneaks yeah. in and, and invades their life. Um, and so, uh, so it, it really, it's, it's not, it's not something that's been around for a long time. It's, it's a lot newer, but yeah. it's very, um, and I'll even go this far as to say, it's very, very much like the devil himself is that it's very sneaky and yeah. how yes. it can, can just kind of drift into our lives and, and get us. So, yeah, I think it's funny because I mean we're talking college students. You got to start good trends. When you you know if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in the big things. Um, so college students, we're talking about that now because it's also funny and kind of ironic that most college students still say they have no money or they have no wealth, yet probably even college students in the United States are in the top ninety percent of wealth yeah. in the United in the world, I mean, not just the United States, but in the world. So we really are far more wealthy than we give ourselves credit for, um, especially on the world stage. So we have to be aware of that. And I know like when we talk about it, we're talking about false religion. We kinda equivalent it a little bit with religious groups and stuff like that. But I think it really I think its roots go back to the beginning of time. And the very beginning of time uh, people had this idea that if you had good things, God loved you. And if yeah. you had not enough or were hungry or poor or whatever, then God hated you. And I think it goes back there. We still have roots of that, which you said it's really sneaky. We'll say we don't believe that, but we'll still treat people that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you're wealthy. Oh, God must really love you. And you've got things going for you and you're wise and smart and all this kind of other stuff like that. And then you don't have much. Ooh, I don't know. Something may be going on there. We are really judgmental about that. And so I think it has its roots like way on back there where we're just like, we secretly think that God blesses people. And he, this is the sneaky part. He does bless people. Yes. But that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that is going on in the story. Yeah, so. and I think it's super important because you both touched on like the two sides that I really wanted to talk about because there's like this, this, this side that's been in the church and there's side that's been out of the church. And I feel like that's kind of how it's been ever since, you know, like you said, beginning of time or like, you know, back in Jesus's day when he was having to combat this kind of thing about, um, I mean, it's a twisted version of materialism that's yeah. boozed into the church. And when he's sitting there having to combat this, not just with Jewish people, like you said, saying God loves me because he's blessed me and God hates you because you're poor. Like that, that doesn't really fly very well in 
in Christianity, and yet this is where we are now. And um, like Nick said, this like almost parasitic thing that came out of a legitimate church branch. Um, I mean, I, I saw exactly what you said, Nick, the post-World War II America stuff is where it really started coming out of like Pentecostal and charismatic churches, which I hate because that is a legitimate branch of Christianity is, are these, you know, Pentecostal believers and they are having this almost like leech come off the, the side of them. And, um, they can sometimes get labeled with this, which I don't like, which I don't, I don't like at all that it's, it's getting lumped with that, but it has. And so they kind of used, well, we kind of talked about this in the Mormon stuff. They use the same verbiage to mean different things. Mm-hmm. And it, it, that gets really deadly and really dangerous really fast. Um, and so, you know, we, we saw it coming through the ages from then to now from people like Oral Roberts and Kenneth Copeland and so many more where it, like, um, I'm sure you saw this. Maybe you can talk to this, Nick, where it came from, like, radio shows and then it started moving to the TV like, evangelist. Yeah. It's like, Hey, God will bless you if you send me your money. That's right. You know, and it's, well, no, no, that's blessing you. But you know, <laughs> people fell hook, line and sinker for it because yeah. and I think it comes back to it's, it's really like people want the hope of something better for themselves. Yeah. Um, and while, while I know, and while scripture tells us that God is that hope, we also have this, misconstrued look of an expectation of how that should be, you know, and, and even for college students today, just like you said, there's these expectations and it's bombarding us and it's bombarding everyone on social media and from parents and from friends. It's all about well, in order for you to be successful or in order for you to be loved, in order for you to look the way the world tells you to look, you have to look and play this part. Yeah. And God has never once told us, Hey, you have to look and play this part. I want you as your broken self, and I'm going to make yeah. you into the part that you are created for. Um, and so that's that's kind of that's where that dangerous thing is. We want acceptance and we want that hope, mm-hmm. but if it doesn't come in the way that we want it to, or in the way that somebody else who has a microphone and a platform <laughs> and a TV show or a radio show, a nice it doesn't clothes. come. Yeah, <laughs> a nice clothes. Well, if I if I give you my money, yeah, that I need to eat on or pay my bills on, then. I'm not going to have to worry about money. And it's, it's quite yeah. the opposite because it's because then you don't feel loved and you don't feel accepted. And honestly, you turn your back on the one who will because you didn't yeah. get what you were expecting. Oh, yeah. And so many of these things are issues of the heart, too. I think there are legitimate testimonies um, in churches where people are like, God led me to tithe and I tithe and then God blessed me. So I think that's a legitimate testimony. Yeah. But the difference and the subtle difference of this is is by somehow giving or making this promise to God, he isn't, he is, for, we're forcing God's hand mm. to bless us. We're not forcing, you can't force God's hand. Yeah. It's, there's a difference between being humble and then trying to manipulate God. It's like trying and to make that's, a deal. The yeah. manipulation yeah. is a very dangerous thing to do. But I also think of this, I, I, I think of it as like the lottery of churches or something like that. Like you play because it's a get well rich scheme. You know, that's mm-hmm. why people play yeah. the lottery. And, and so this is kind of what the televangelist preys on too. Yeah. It's kind of like, Hey, if you do this, then great things, you know, you could win the lot, you know, you, it's going to be great for you. And that's just really a lie because it's leaving God out of the picture. Yeah. Like what we're, 
what we want to do is honor God's wishes for us. And then if he blesses us, that's fine. But the flip side of this is, and the prosperity gospel totally misses the side of suffering. Sometimes God's blessing us, and this is hard to say, but sometimes God's blessing us is giving us a hard thing, is giving us a burden, is giving us a cross to bear, is, you know, that sacrificial side of things. That's also the true biblical gospel that we see. And prosperity gospel totally wants to deny that and say that, oh, no, no, you're not going to suffer. Oh, no, you're not going to, you know, have to go through pain. It totally denies that part of the gospel, leaves it out. Yeah. I think there's this portion that's like, you know, we have to sit here and combat the idea of, because a lot of this came out of ministries that would pray for healing and then they would see people be healed. And that is a legitimate thing because God answers prayers to the glory of his own name. Right. And his that's <laughs> that's a particular difference that we have to watch. Yeah. And, and so if the healing is going to bring him more glory, then that's what he's going to do. But if the person that's suffering as a believer in Jesus is going to bring him more glory, then that's what's going to happen. Yep. And so I think that that particular pill is hard to swallow for a lot of people. Sure. Is that we've got to sit here and walk the line of he won't always heal, but sometimes he will. Yeah. And let's think about God in the terms of who he is. God is a good parent. Exactly. So even for my own children... There are times that I'm going to give them jelly beans, and then there are times that I'm going to withhold jelly beans. You know, like yeah. a good parent knows how to lead their children. And, you know, punishment is also part of being a good parent. So remember who God is and who we are. Yeah, I, and I know the Bible says, like, a parent that hates his child doesn't discipline them. Mm-hmm. And I, bold face, that's what it says. I'm sure, I mean, yeah, Nick does youth ministry. That's, that's, that's one of the things I tell my own kids. You know, I've got, my, my oldest is about to be 13 a week from Monday, and it's wow. freaking me out. That teenager, teenager, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I've, got, I've got three more, i got four total. But like with, with my kids, like I tell them, it's kind of this, this echo that I seem like I say all the time, is there's consequences for every decision you make. Mm-hmm. And we think of consequence in a term of always a negative term. But it's not always a negative term because yeah. there's there's consequences. If my son goes out, uh, you know, and mows the lawn without being asked, well, the consequence to that is I might give him some money. But if he doesn't yeah. mow it and I have to keep on him, then the consequence is he has to mow it and then he has to weed eat and he has to do some other. <laughs> you know? so it's, it's one of those things where yeah. the consequence is not always negative. And in the in the same light, you know, it's it's one of those where God allows things to come into our life. Uh, really to shape us and mold us not only for the future, but for what he's doing and what he's wanting us to do right then and there. Yes. Um, and so the consequence to the decisions we make or the consequence to what we're doing and how closely we're following him and applying his word to our life in, in all of his word, not just the context that we pull out or the verse we pull out we like. When we do that, the, the result of that is we find all the things we're looking for in the prosperity gospel, we find in the arms of God. Yeah. You know, where where we're accepted the way we are and where the things that we thought we wanted and needed, we didn't need, but it's the things that God gives us that we yeah. really truly need. And, you know, I've 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 made the I've come to the realization a long time ago that um, I'm not gonna be someone who in the eyes of American culture is gonna be somebody who's wealthy. Yeah. But I don't want for anything and I don't need for anything because God always provides for it. And I've yeah. been up against the rope so many times, like, how are we going to pay for this? You know, and so we do the right thing. My wife and I do the right thing with our money. And then all of a sudden there's a phone call like, 
hey, by the way, this literally happened. My dad called one time and goes, hey, by the way, um, one of your grandmother's friends just passed away and she left this money to your grandmother and my grandmother had passed away a couple years ago. And so my dad was like, so we thought it was important to give it to you and your brothers. Wow. And the money that we had literally just spent that we didn't know how we were going to recover, it was almost to the dollar of the amount wow. that, that we, and we were like, okay, God, <laughs> okay, there you are. So, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those, like, it's a decision we have to make to be faithful to trust God. Yeah. It, it comes out of trust. It's a hard issue. And it's in that hard issue wrapped up is trust. Like you got to trust God to provide for you. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that there is this, um, this notion of like, I don't know how to say this without like stepping on toes, but like, uh, God will bail me out type mindset that starts oozing in as we start, you know, really walking into the prosperity gospel thicket to say the least. And I think that I love stories like that. And I have several of my own that are exactly the same that like, you know, I, you know, we just had a kid four months ago. Um, and it seemed like we had so many things that were going to be a problem and we had bills that came back half of what they should be. You know, we had, we had, uh, unemployment benefits that should have come in a year before that we thought got canceled, came in the month that everything was due. So we didn't have to pull like out of what we or spending elsewhere that we needed elsewhere to, to pay for. And it's just, unreal and you're like okay wow god god you you made a way when i was really squeezed here when i was really pressed and when trying to follow you you made a way forward and i think that sometimes we can misapply that to say like okay what if i intentionally put myself in a press situation and that's different than what we're talking about yeah and i think that's important that we we touch on for a minute is that like you know there is um situations and seasons in life that the lord walks us through and i think that there's a lot of it for his glory well all of it for his glory but a lot of it's for our sanctification as well yeah and i think that as americans we hate the word suffering and <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we all get chills and we have like yeah you know we don't want to <laughs> yeah. we don't want to think about it but sometimes in our suffering is the greatest seasons of growth in our faith and that we'll never be able to to understand or comprehend this side of eternity and I can't tell you how many people that I know now that can say, you know, many years removed from college that, that I can say that they were diagnosed with this, they walked through this, they had this many people die in a matter of a month, you know, and now on this side, their faith, I mean, they look like a warrior on the other side of it rather than, you know, going into it, what they look like, starkly different. And so this idea of bargaining can get really dangerous. And we talked about like kind of where it came from and some of the places that we see it now, which, you know, we kind of joke around the names, but to take it seriously, you know, we see Joel Osteen and we've seen T.D. Jakes as being somebody that's been thrown out as that. Um, a guy named Creflo Dollar has been something that the Gospel Coalition has pu- published about. Um, multiple. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts about like modern takes where we see this or people that we see this from, but... I, I, when I was trying to think this through, I was like, Do, are we going to ask Zach? I said, are we naming names? Because um, it gets a whole lot more complicated when you it name does. names because it yeah. could be like, I like that person. Um, but this is the thing I, I, I see. Prosperity gospel, 
is just an offshoot of some truth. So there's a little truth in it, and there's an offshoot of that. And I guess this is these are danger signs that I see when we see um, pastors making exorbitant amounts of money. Yeah. Um, when we see uh, an entitlement of God's servants, where there's they feel very entitled to things that are um, they feel like are God's blessing. Um, and when we see them living off the backs of other believers, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, like as believers, we're supposed to share this. Well, you know, it's the Acts uh, 242 kind of thing. Like we're supposed to hold things in common and share things in common. But when you see there's a different level developing about leaders mm. till they're held at a, at a greater reverence a greater wealth a greater privilege a greater uh, entitlement those are all danger signs that the prosperity gospel is seeking into somebody's head because they aren't seeing themselves as a servant as much as somebody maybe to be served so we gotta we have to watch that a little bit i think yeah and that's the you know as as, as you were talking about that it just reminds me you know the the job of those people is to prepare the the church body to do the mm-hmm. ministry, you know, it's, mm-hmm. and that's a big misconception. It's not really necessarily tied directly into the prosperity gospel, but you know, if, if the focus is all about me and, and I'm trying to get what I can get from these people who have that relationship with God, then I'm, I'm misusing the position where God's put me, which like you said, is a very dangerous thing because my job as a minister and our job as leading a Sunday school class or a life group or a small group, um, or, you know, even working one-on-one and discipling someone, which Christ calls us to do, our job is to try to prepare each other, to sharpen each other, to do the work of God. And when we don't do that, then we're abusing that power. And it's a very dangerous thing because we're going to be held accountable for it, but we're also what, what's happening to those people who are being abused um, in that way of Mm -hmm. being misled and, you know, completely missing what God has for them. Oh, yeah. And I think this kind of leads, and we've kind of talked about it already, about how it takes away from the church. And and I'll let you guys speak to this first, actually, before I, I say what I think. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I see it does is it honestly gives the church a bad name. Like, yeah. the church is the body of people that's yeah. supposed to be, I mean, if we really think about it, the way that, that Christ calls us to is to treat others and to love others as he loved us. And if we're trying to get wealth Mm -hmm. and we're saying you're only loved if you're wealthy and you're not loved if you're not wealthy, then what we're doing is it gives the church a bad name because it's supposed to be that the church universal, a big church is supposed to be the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus and to love people. You know, if I'm worried about my money, then I'm not worried about loving people. Um, and so it's, it's saying like your hope, if you got money, then, then give me some and then I'll tell you this hope. It's, it's almost taking God and, uh, you know, for lack of better terms, it's prostituting God out Yeah. saying, give me your money and I'll tell you how you can get this instead of saying, you don't need any of that. All yeah. you have to do is be willing to sacrifice yourself and to give yourself to God and, and he'll take care of you. I think anytime we put people on a pedestal, it's idolatry. And so, yeah. um, so many times I think we kind of wink at idolatry in the, in the church. We're Americans. So like, I often feel like I see this sometimes even in the pastorate, you mm-hmm. have, um, churches that almost wor- worship their pastor 
Mm -hmm. um, because he's really great or he's televised or he's, you know, he has a a large following on Twitter or Instagram or whatever like that. And so we can quickly idolize. (laughs) I'll get out of a minute. You can edit that. Um, We quickly idolize things like that. And in doing so, we're almost a part of the problem because we're pushing Mm -hmm. them to be something that maybe they're not or that um, pride easily creeps in uh, with that. And so I see that. I also see the stumbling block. Um, Also, and and this is kind of around the world, but when we have mega, mega pastors who are kind of globally known and they have a moral indiscretion or something that's happened, immediately it puts a real black eye on Christ. I mean, it it looks so bad for Christ because people have seen that person as somebody who is a Christ-like figure. And, of course, we're supposed to be striving to be like Christ, and we are human. So I also think that sometimes our... Um, criticism of people who have issues is not fair either because we yeah. kind of force them into that role and then suddenly we're like, oh, you were human. Oh, we hate you. <laughs> yeah. They were always human. We should have always looked at them as human yeah. and we should have, you know, safeguarded and try to protect the brother instead of, you know, throw them under the bus. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, we had somebody say last week was they brought up Second uh, Timothy 3.16 is talking about how all scripture is used to rebuke and correct and reproof and and they said um combine that with the scripture that talks about defending our faith with gentleness and respect when we go to engage Mm -hmm. a false gospel we need to be using scripture to not shove it in the person's face that we're engaging it in but use it to rebuke and reproof and gently and respectfully bring them back to orthodoxy where where we're supposed to be landing I thought that was so good. <laughs> I'm going to probably was, repeat it a lot well, more. <laughs> I mean, it's super quality, but you bring up a really good point, and this is the insidiousness of this to a certain degree. Um, prosperity gospel preachers are really good at naming and claim it, meaning that they'll use Scripture yeah. to justify their means. And I was just kind of, you know, writing yeah. some of those down. And, do you know, for example, Philippians 4, 9, um, my God shall pl- supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Yeah. You know, like... Um, Third, uh, John 3, 1, 2, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you're in good health, even yeah. as thy soul prospers. And even John 10, 10, which I quote a lot, you know, is like claiming abundant life. He, he, he didn't mean for your life to be horrible. He meant for you to have an abundant life. But what abundant, how you describe abundant yeah. is different. But over and over you see that. I named James 4, 1, even the practical epistle you know the practical one is people are like well it says you don't have it because you don't ask for it so you should ask for it you know that's what we should do and yes those are scriptures those are true but if you look at the context of all of those it's kind of like we've been saying it's for god's glory it's for god's mission it's for god's ministry it isn't just for your comfort satisfaction and wealth yeah so i think that that a lot of people will use those scriptures and again, it's that looking to, I'm asking for it, so I'm expecting it to happen in this way. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't happen that way, well, then God doesn't love me. And that's not the case yeah. at all. You know, it goes back again to the whole, there's consequences to your decisions, and there's discipline, and there's, you know, well, you know, Paul wanted to go and minister over here, and God said no. So he went and took the gospel to Europe for the first time, and God did great things. You know, and so it's yeah. just that the way God's working, you know, isn't his thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways aren't our ways. And so we have to be trusting enough to follow him in that. But, you know, it's, 
it's it's taking that like like we talked about a little bit ago too is was there's there's a there's a small truth in what people are using as the prosperity gospel but is it the whole truth and it's not and that's where it gets really dangerous yeah, that's the bad part yeah yeah i totally agree and i think that it and it's it's just so twisting of something that is so good for us to because like what we're supposed to hear is the intentionality of a loving father and what it becomes is a marketing chip yeah. and like that kind of sickens me to think of the twistedness that that brings about so you know we talked about how it's taken and you know let's talk about how it does twist that that thread of truth you know and one of the things that I saw was through an article with the, the Gospel Coalition. They were outlined, outlining five errors of the prosperity gospel teaching. Yeah. And so I was going to read those real fast. But um, I'll link this article in the show notes if you want to read along with this. So don't feel like you're missing out on anything. But it says the first one is that the Abrahamic covenant is a means to material entitlement. I thought that was kind of messed up to, to really think about it in that way. Which I want to pause before moving on to these um one of the things that I thought of while you were speaking, Rodney, was that we have to be really careful when we're doing, um, use big $5 word hermeneutics, you know, when we're studying our Bibles. Um, that's what that means is studying our Bibles. And so, like, when we go to study our Bibles, we cannot first look at the lens of how does this, what does this mean for me today? You know, like, how does this mean for me? Yes, there's stuff for us. Yes, there's stuff for us in this moment today that we can take out and can apply to our lives and live through. But the ultimate is God's glory. So like what, how does this passage mean what it means in the context that it says it, historically, accurately, however deep you want to go, whatever. But know that the first step is not me. The first step is always God. And so just reframing that, getting that out there as we move to the next ones is, you know, the second thing on this list of five is, Jesus' atonement extends to the quote-unquote sin of material poverty, which we push back big on that already, and I know we will continue to. Um, third one is Christians give in order to gain material compensation from God, also something we're going to push back on. The fourth is faith is a self-generated spiritual force that leads to prosperity. And the fifth is prayer is a tool to force God to grant prosperity. So, I mean, that's pretty brutal when you look at all (laughs) all five of those like it and they're not if you're looking at prosperity gospel they are not said in plain english like that like that is about as plain as black and white as you can get it and i don't think that if you're looking at or listening to somebody that's preaching prosperity gospel they're going to be like yes prayer is a tool to (laughs) to force god to do what you want him to do and it's like is that what we're doing though you know well, we do have, I mean, and this is just uh, wrong too, but I mean, we do see God sometimes as the giant vending machine in the sky. I put my quarter in and then I get what I have, yeah. what I want, you know? And so God isn't your vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> and so we can't force him, but I, I, I do think that people believe that sometimes. Uh, hence, one of the like slang terms of the prosperity gospel is called the name and claim it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I named it, I claimed it, it's mine. I think we talked a little bit, Zach and I did yesterday, about the prayer Jabez, which even goes mm-hmm. along those lines a little bit. Like, give me everywhere my you know feet have trod, Lord. You know, bless yeah. me beyond measure. But the Abrahamic covenant has part B. Yeah. <laughs> part B is... 
I'm blessing you so that you may bless other people so that they will worship me as well. And actually, the Jews didn't do very well with that. They never yeah. pro- passed on their prosperity. They're still criticized for it today. I don't know that that's fair, but they still are criticized for it. But when you're blessed, it's to be a blessing to other people. Yeah, you know, It's to pass that on because you're so thankful. You want to pass that on, bless somebody else. Then hopefully they will start to be thankful to God too. Hopefully they will become God worshipers too. We see that lived out in Jeremiah twenty nine. Like every, almost everybody knows Jeremiah twenty nine. Graduation <laughs> first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. We we made people memorize that, but it was I did a, a really big Bible study on it just for my personal self, and, and I've preached on it a couple of times. But when you back up and you take Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and you look at it in context of Part B. one through thirteen, <laughs> you know where it's sandwiched around it, it's. Um, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. But when you read the 10 verses before that, it's, hey, by the way, you're in exile right now, and you're going to be in exile for 70 years. And you're only going to prosper in this foreign land, in this place where you're surrounded by people who are in yeah. control of you. You're only going to prosper if they prosper. And so then he says, but I know the plans I have for you. After he's telling them, you know, they're yeah. there. And then, you know, you follow that up with Jeremiah 29, 13, where it's like he gives them the other bookend. The other end of this is you're in exile because you didn't listen to me because you didn't bless other people. Yeah. You're only going to prosper if you bless people there. I have a plan for you, but to get that plan for you will seek me and find me when you, you seek me learn this lesson. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's like we want to, yeah. you know, we, we want to say, well, God wants to give you everything. He's got a plan. He's, he's going to prosper you. Well, he's going to prosper you if you're paying attention to what he's doing in, in and around you and in your yeah. life. And you're yeah. being a part of it because you're seeking him because it all comes back, Jeremiah 29, 13, you know, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. It all comes mm-hmm. back to, is your focus on self and what you can get or is your focus on God? Because yeah. it all comes back to the glory of God like we've been talking about. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I, I kept seeing as a thread with multiple different articles and you know pastors that are talking against it is that like it's this notion that Jesus pushed back on a ton, and it's this gifts over giver, you know, idea. To put it succinctly, it's gifts over giver. I mean, we see this in multiple different places throughout the the scripture, and we'll, we'll talk more about like you know how is this theology combated in the Bible as we step forward. Um, and even talking about that gifts over giver, but before we get to that, so like the reason I, I think we have to talk about, you know, why it's so attractive because right. It's really easy for us that can see with clear eyes where it's, it's wrong, but it's attractive. I think what I've, what I've been reading is that it makes its way in being attractive by saying promises you of something better, like right now. And or something better in five years, and and that is where the, its strength lies. Is that it's like, if you will pay me now, and it's not even like, it, and it's invaded more areas than just pay me now. It's invaded more of like, if you will, like one of the hottest words right now that nobody's thinking about prosperity gospel around is the word grind. If you grind out five years right now, you will see the dividends in ten years from now. And people think, okay, if I crush myself for five years, I will see 10 years worth of growth. And it's like, or you're going to crush yourself for five years and the Lord's going to keep crushing you so that you understand yeah. something different. On well, the other side of it. 
a more sophisticated vending machine god is yeah. a college educated one. And by that I mean <laughs> like there's a whole lot of things that we put upon God that are just common sense. Like you mentioned investing and different stuff like that. So a secular version of you should gain interest on your money. You should gain and we take that in, we try to baptize it and we try to make it into something really nice for God to do. But a yeah. lot of times it's really we're just saying, I want a return for my investment. Yeah. Ooh, we do that a lot, don't we? I mean, yeah. like, God, I want a return for my investment. If I'm going to lead a small group, if I feel like it, and if the people, you know, like it, and if I'm going to do this, if, 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 which is we're wanting return on our investment, you yeah. know, and I've had church members, you know, at times tell me, like, we're not getting a return for our investment, so therefore we're going to stop investing. And I'm kind of like, ooh, man, that's kind of dangerous because it's kind of like saying, God, you didn't give me what I want. You weren't the vending machine. Therefore, yeah. I'm not giving you what you want, even though God has no, no needs, <laughs> which is funny, but they feel like God wants it or needs yeah, it. Yeah. You know? And that's a real dangerous way to do, but we we do that as adults too. We do as children, yeah. we do as adults. Yeah, and I think, you know, since we're already here, let's go ahead and jump to it and say, you know, where does this bleed over in areas not just associated with money? This is something that, that Ronnie brought up before. Yeah. And so I want you to kind of go into that, but Nick, I do want you to hit this as well. Because <laughs> yeah. I want to hear it. I think automatically the danger, and please don't turn off for college students, that I don't have money, therefore I don't have to worry about that. You don't, but you have a lot of other assets, and you bargain with God just in the same way as a prosperity gospel. And the one I was joking with Zach about is like, all, all, all these young people really want a smoking hot, you know, wife or husband. Yeah. Like, God, give me somebody who's really good looking. I want somebody who's sexy. Mm -hmm. This is what we want. That's prosperity gospel in a way because what God wants for you is somebody who's godly. Yes. The question is, who's, who is the godly person that's going to lead me in the way of righteousness, who's going to iron shop and iron, who's yeah. going to do that? And instead we're asking, no, I want shiny. I want you know brilliant, shiny, attractive. That's what I want. That's the prosperity gospel in relationships. You know, and then we see it in other things too. Like uh, we see things that attract us and that we think are attractive and we desire them rather than thinking about like, does God want me to have this? And is this something that I can leverage for the gospel? Now, a, a proper way of doing that is like for some of you out there, you may need to have a big house because you're using it as house church. Yeah. yeah. Like if your motivation for the big house is house church, God bless you. That's a good motivation because yeah. you're actually going to be paying, you know, the utility bill and the water bill and everything like that for people to be there. But if you have a big house and you're saying, well, God just gave us this to, you know, blah, 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 and you're not leveraging it for the gospel, let's be honest. That's really for you. Yeah. That's really for you and your privilege. So think about it in your material, material possessions too. Like, you know, I don't see many college students driving minivans so that they can take more people to their small group. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really a joke. Yeah. But I mean, like, what yeah. what motivates you to have the material possessions that you have? Are you yeah. leveraging for them for the kingdom of God? Or are you saying, hey, I really want this, and I'm going to just kind of give God a little credit and say, like, well, God's really just blessed well, us. Because, because I, yeah. you know, I mean, so we have to think about the prosperity gospel in those terms, too, because... We all like pleasure. We all yeah. like beauty. We all like those things. 
But is it what God's desire for us is? And are we leveraging it for his kingdom? Yeah, and I think you're reminding me of a C.S. Lewis quote that I love and I quote all the time. But he said that it's not that our pleasures are too little. or, or It's not that our pleasures are too strong. It's that they're not strong enough. Our desire for pleasure is not strong enough. Because he said we're sitting here content with playing in a mud puddle because we can't envision a weekend at the sea. And he's like, that's what God is offering at the end of the day is that like we, the things that he has in store for us are so much better than the things that we think we're going to bargain for right now. And and when we look at, when we look at God through scripture, you know, God blesses us and blesses humanity in so many different ways. And when you go back and you look at it and it's usually specifically when it deals with humans, he's always blessing humans at his own expense, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not, he's not saying, Hey, God's not, it's not a quid pro quo. It's not yeah. a, Hey, listen, you know, Zach, if you do this, then I'm going to give you this. He yeah. never does that. But then we think it's okay to do that to him. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's, and, and yet he sent Christ to be our example and he yeah. lays it out very clearly for us in scripture, mm-hmm. you know, to be a follower of mine, you've got to do this, you know, to be my follower, you've got to take up your cross, mm-hmm. which, you know, we, we, gloss over sometimes like you know think think about that statement in and of itself like the cross was the most and still is one of the most gruesome and excruciating ways to die yeah and god says you want to follow me you've got to pick up this yeah and you, and you got to follow me you know and so god god blesses us but he usually does it at his expense um i like that and yeah. then he you know he he pours into us that way and he loves us and it's like all he's asking for us to do is like the talents and the gifts I've given you and all the things I've given you, I want you to take that and do more and yeah. do more and do more. Um, and it's when we have that, that mentality and that mindset, you know, that you're kind of mentioning when we have that in everything we have can be used to further the gospel. If we would each adopt that mentality for ourselves, mm. because I can do it for me, but I can't do it for anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, you know, the, all the listeners, they can do it. It's a choice that we have to make individually when we do that for ourselves, then we start to see life change in ourselves, and we start to say, "Man, I've got, you know, yeah, my, maybe I maybe I could afford to go buy the Sam's and go buy a thing of, of ramen noodles." But what would I have? What would happen if I took that ramen noodles and instead of eating two packs at a meal, which I used to do in college because <laughs> I still love ramen noodles, instead of eating two packs a meal and saving my heart a little bit of issue later in life, what if I took half of these and I just went and handed them out to people? Yeah, you know what? What would that? What would that look like for those people who are the recipients of that? It's a cost to me, but Christ died for me. You know, and so it's mm. God is God puts us in a position to where we can bless people, and we often don't see it because we're so focused on what can I get, what can I do, what what's yeah. it, it's about me, it's about me. We we got to stop this idea of the prosperity gospel. Honestly, has you know you, it, we talked a little bit about the twisting of the church and bleeding over, but the prosperity gospel has really turned most churchgoers i guess per se into consumers and mm. not into servants yeah Ooh, that's a really good one that we should mm. talk about i mean it, it we have very much a consumer mentality versus a servant mentality and part of that is due to this false gospel it's yeah. good yeah i mean shoot we deal with that at the bcm too that you know have we have people that want to come in and, and watch from a distance and be fed but then when it comes time that we're like we need help and they're you know they're nowhere to be found and it's like that that's really hard especially on leadership because it's like 
uh, like we're, we're we're trying really hard to draw people in to get to get people to help us out to to raise up a next generation of people that are going to be yeah. goers and doers of the gospel. That's true, and and this is my I'm a little bit older than you guys, so like my generation, we've been very guilty of wanting to be discipled, but not really wanting to disciple somebody mm-hmm. else. Like, come to the church, yeah. we'll disciple you, consumer, you know, and we're like, oh, thank you. I want to learn about Jesus. I want to learn about God. But when we mention the other side of that, which is sacrificially, okay, now it's time for you to spend your time, energy, effort, and disciple other people, then people are like, oh, I'm not ready yet. You know, the universe, I'm yeah, not yeah. ready yet. Which, I mean, is a little bit prosperity. It's in the sense of like, I don't want to make that sacrifice. Yeah. I don't want to take that step forward. So I'll make excuses not to. Um, mm. When really we see biblically that all, all the time it's almost instantaneous if you get blessed by somebody else. If you, I mean, like there's not a big section where you've got to rest or learn or all this kind of stuff like that that we put into that. It's like, no, it's like an instant turnaround. Like... <laughs> yeah, God's giving you something. Give it out again. You know, just, it just it just limits. You know, it's we we limit God in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're saying, well, I don't know enough. I'm not ready enough, so I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but you got to remember, you're saying that God can't use you to do what He wants to do, mm-hmm. and we're like, no, He can't. Like, I'm just not ready enough. Well, this is the <laughs> same God who I don't know part of the Red Sea spoke the world yeah. into existence. <laughs> And rose people from the dead. So you're saying he can't use you in your life experience yeah. up to this point. And it's it's one of those things where it's like we we got to, again, think of Scripture in its totality of this idea that God can use you as you are now. Yeah. He wants to, yeah. but you got to make that choice. It's, it's got to be that, you know, you have gifts. Like there's there's certain things even around this table and, and everybody listening. It's God has gifted you in a way he hasn't gifted me. And you can do things I can't do, and I can do things you can't do, but that's the beauty of the body of Christ is when we yeah. come together to use those gifts, we're unstoppable. Yeah. yeah, And isn't that fascinating about the prosperity gospel is that we sit here and we look at it and it promises so much and it tries, like, <laughs> I recently, a few years ago, read uh, the book by Louis Giglio, uh, I think it's like Facing Down Giants, or, um, and I know you know what I'm talking yeah. about, Yeah, and he talks about how, like, an object in front of you can overshadow the thing behind it. And he's like, the giant, if we are in the position of David, the giant would overshadow a lot that's in front of us. And he's like, we for, we fail to mention that like the that God is so much bigger than whatever the giant is. And so while Prosperity Gospel is promising this thing and its attempt to catch a lot of people, and it, it's like this coin that can cover up the sun. It, there's no comparison because the promises that are actually there are so much bigger and so much deeper and so much wider you know than than all these like oh but right now this would be so good and it's like no that promise was meant for eternity and you can't even begin to grasp what is actually meant by that backtracking a little bit but i was thinking about this when we were talking um about like expenses one of the big things for college students is time the Mm -hmm. issue of time and so we constantly hear the excuse i don't have enough time i don't have enough time i don't have enough time to do quiet time i don't have enough time to do scripture reading i don't have enough time to do all these things as if those are things that are kind of owed to god if you're going to be a Mm -hmm. good christian these are things that are owed to god Mm -hmm. 
I, I'm not really sure that God is looking for things back from us because he, he's sufficient in and of himself. That's part of being God is you don't need things. Yeah. But I will say as a, as a way of thanks, we, we have forgotten our thankfulness to God for mm-hmm. what he has given us. Um, and I think a lot of times the way that we show that is through tithing, is through time, is through you know something that cost us for somebody else that we want to give to and so i just i i I worry about that a lot about this generation because i also think about that in terms of commitment you know some of our um grandparents and stuff like that we've criticized them sometimes for things Mm. about doing checklist faith but i know people that sacrificially have given every sunday you know every sunday of the year and then the next generation is saying well i like you know i like to go to the lake like this sunday and then we're really going to travel on this other sunday and so like they come up with excuses about time and you look at this one generation that really did sacrifice almost to the point of making that an idol like i'll always be here on sunday regardless versus (laughs) another generation who's like no i really my time is valuable and i don't know that i want to give that and Mm -hmm. so those are things too that play into this I think and our idolization of things that we hold on to or what we want and God should bless us and God should give to us which is really sad because that's really a um, kind of a thankless yeah. way to treat God yeah you know and spoiled I, child I mean really oh yeah you know. oh yeah and I think um, as we kind of start on the decline of all this um, we've talked a lot about where the Bible talks against this but any more thoughts on like how do we see this theology combated in the Bible? I think the biggest one as I was as I was looking into this is Matthew nineteen twenty one, which I I wrote down. It says Jesus answered, and this is when he's talking to the the, the young rich man who yeah. wanted to follow him. Yeah. And his Jesus's response is, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. And if that right there doesn't just completely take the prosperity gospel, All right, put it done. in a dumpster and set it on fire, like I don't, I don't know what does. Because um, yeah, I found another, I found actually an article in the Washington Post, and the, the author of it, um, she said, uh, I'll see, I've got it here somewhere. Um, she said something along the lines of that uh, Jesus was here. It, is, it says um, uh, during his earthly tender or tenure, it says Jesus was born poor and died poor, and during his earthly tenure, he spoke time and time again about the importance of spiritual wealth and health. When he talked about material wealth, it was usually part of a cautionary tale. And that was Kathleen Falsani who wrote that. And it's like, you know, he, he talks about health and wealth, but it's always in the form of mm-hmm. that spiritual realm, that relationship with God. Yeah. And when he's talking about money, he's like, be careful. You know, yeah. you've got to be careful because this thing will pull, pull away. But so, yeah, I mean, you also see like Matthew 12 and Mark 11 when... You know, Jesus walks into the temple, yeah. the church, and you got the money exchangers mm-hmm. who are taking advantage and extorting the people who are trying to come and worship. And Jesus, like, this isn't right. So Jesus throws the tables. Like, yeah. that's one of those moments, like, you know, you could go back and watch any moment in history. I would love to see Jesus I go and start throwing some tables. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, like, I, I want to see, see Jesus throw the tables. That would be great. But, I wanted yeah. to see the the whip that he was making. Yeah. Like, I just, oh, that's no, great. You know, yeah. just like... <laughs> there's so much it's every time we see someone promote the prosperity gospel in the you know kind of sliding it in type of way that they do it's always taking 
scripture and twisting it as we've mm-hmm. been talking about this yeah. idea of twisting it and there's so much more in scripture that says no no yeah. no yeah. no um and we'll know i mean people will know we're christians by our love and by our fruits mm-hmm. and so uh charlatans eventually are found out yeah. that's kind of the deal you know like it does take some time i think sometimes christians are incredibly vulnerable because we want to believe that God has changed people or we want to believe that people are following after God. And so there's a hopefulness that is there, but we're also supposed to be wise too. And so I think through our wisdom, we will be able to see who really is a charlatan. who's really like playing the crowd and trying to gain for themselves things. And again, as I said, like it's hard to name names because I think even in some of the people that we've even named, there's probably some goodness, but they're just led astray. They're just like, you know, there's areas of their life that they've not really surrendered to Christ. And I, you know, who am I to point judgment at that? But, like, we need the whole gospel. We need the whole truth. We need the part about the suffering. We need the part about self-denial and sacrifice and other things like that. Because that's truly to be like Christ as well. Yeah, and I think the way that I want us to kind of be wrapping up and closing up is that something we started last week and I want to do every week is that we talk about that false gospels not just steal people away from the church, but there's also an overcorrection that happens in the church for the the combating combating that particular thing. And so where I'm kind of I'm kind of seeing this, and please correct me if you think otherwise, is that we've kind of already talked about it, but I just want to make sure it's said plainly: is that sometimes we can elevate. Um, suffering higher than the promises of God instead of being willing to walk in the tension of the two. Mm-hmm. And we lose the we lose the sight of the promises that God's given for this life and the promises that he's given in the next because we're more focused on combating something that tells us that all promises are for right now. And it's like, well, instead of doing the hard work of holding these two things in tension and saying there is something that is for now and something for later, we can kind of see, I don't, I, to be frank, a laziness in mm-hmm. in how this plays out. What are y'all's thoughts as we could close out with that? I like I like how you talked about the tension between the two because it's it's not easy living a life as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I say it again, it's not easy living a life as a Christian. Um, because it is a life that you're intentionally choosing to live in between the, the tension of those things. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, we have to be very careful how we approach and we combat both the prosperity gospel and anything mm-hmm. is that if we, if we take it too far or we go too far, or we just settle on, well, that's wrong. Then mm-hmm. that can turn people away just as much as mm-hmm. what we're trying to combat. Um, and so there's got to be that approach of you know humility and of love, um, and of really basing everything we do on the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where, uh, at least I I personally see the failure not in me necessarily, but I just see the failure the most is that either the word is taken out of context or the word is not implemented at all. Mm. Um, and that's what God's given us is you know yeah. this this is he you know you want to know the plans you want to know. Here, like just everything in life measure through this. Yeah. This is the bar. 
Oh, thank goodness that God is the judge and we're not. Yeah. Um, but I think this is where we have a breakdown most often is we are looking at half the picture and we're trying to judge people based upon that yeah. and make calls about whether they're falling. You know, and when I think about the church and corrections, we only correct what we see. Mm-hmm. Um, we only correct what we're kind of envisioning. And there's been quite a few people, I think, that have spoken out against... Um, against the prosperity gospel and, and named some pastors that they feel uncomfortable with. And, um, but we also try to play the same game and, and this is a hard stretch, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there because it's been on my mind while we've been talking. So John Piper, who I often quote and often disagree with, but he, he talks about being a Christian hedonist. Mm-hmm. And he says, basically, I'm a Christian hedonist, you're a Christian hedonist too, because we are wanting to, we're seeking the pleasures of God, which he's talking eternal, yeah. as you were talking about. You know, there's there's immediate reward, then there's eternal reward. And he's like, I want the eternal reward, you know, like I'm seeking the pleasure of God because I want the eternal reward. And so in a way, though, he's selling the same thing that, we, that we're speaking against, mm. even in his argument to do the right thing. Mm. All that to say, it gets back to, as Jesus said, what is your heart? Yeah. Like, he didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. He came to fulfill the Old Testament. But he fulfilled it by explaining it further in the New Testament and saying, like, hey, it's not just the laws. It's your heart as you fulfill that law. Mm-hmm. And I think this gospel in particular is, that, is exactly that. Because if your heart begins to worship the benefits of following after God, then you're missing the point. Yeah. Benefits are just that. They're a side item for the main goal That's of what right. God wants for you. But if your heart is really and truly seeking after God, I do believe that some benefits are going to come. Even if it's like in your suffering, you have peace. Mm-hmm. There's still benefit that's even in the suffering. So like, what we're really talking about here is a matter of the heart. And that's hard to judge from the outside as to where somebody really is. But... Um, my prayer is for myself, especially because I think we have to start with the plank in our own eye, right? Yeah. <laughs> My prayer for myself is that when I look at these things and when I seek after God, I'm wanting to go after God in purity. And when he gives me blessings, I have a gratefulness about that. But I also mm-hmm. realize I have a responsibility for other people to bless them as well because of how much he's given me. Yeah. Uh- And I love that we're kind of ending on this and saying like, you know, we need, like, this is how we started, right? We said this in particular is going to be way more elusive. And we said that we have a lot of trouble with it because like Nick said, we have issues with needing to know what the scriptures actually say. Because I mean, if we're falling into this, we're falling for the original lie. Did God really say that? You know what I mean? And, and seeing this as, you know, we said this in the last podcast. I know I say that all the time, but it just seems like the Lord is really good at bringing up patterns here. And uh, one of my favorite speakers says something that Christians need to be aware of is that the modern day Christian has no more than a one page knowledge of what the Bible actually says. And that is hugely convicting to me. And so, you know, the first episode, as we tie this up, the first episode in this podcast series was about one that you could pretty easily find the differences in if you took the time to look at it. The second one, you're going to start to need to know what these verses actually say. How Context. Exactly. Yep. Context and things to walk this out. And so as we move forward next week, you know, we still want this to be a theme that's on our minds. Like, 
we need to be steeped in the word so that we can discern the path headed forward. And so next week we're going to be talking about this um, this book that Ronnie's been reading. It's called Apatheism. It's basically like atheism via apathy, and and it is something that is inside and outside the church. And I, I look forward to talking more about it then. But thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you, Nick, for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and thank you, Rodney, again for coming mm-hmm. on. It's good to be here. Um, guys, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, review, rating. The more ratings and more reviews and more people this reaches, the more truth we can get to more people. We love you guys. Please come back next week for part three in this series. See you later.